Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny System, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny System with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of the Four Center fleet, the Armada. And we have our two admirals here, Joseph Scribshaw and Jennifer Landau. Ooh, I like our whole armada. <laughs> I like being an admiral. Armada's a good name. Yeah. Our friendly armada. <laughs> <laughs> Pop out of hyperspace. <laughs> Would you like to talk about Star Wars? Yeah, our armada of Star Wars friends. Yes. <laughs> aye, aye, Captain. I don't know why. <laughs> That'd be awesome if... If, if Star Wars had that, <laughs> like Battlestar Galactica, the remake, there's a little bit of just classic military, you know, military terms. Oh, yeah. And, right. Yeah, Star Wars has ranks and everything, commanders and all that, but that'd be kind of fun. It would be fun. Aye, aye. 
Yeah. Aye, aye, sir. The second order will have that. <laughs> second order. Uh, we are here to talk a lot of things in the Star Wars world. Some news we want to dive a little deeper into. That's Bob Iger and the future of Star Wars. We also got sad news that hit as we are set to press record the passing of Gary Kurtz. We're going to talk about that and news and a lot of that stuff. But today I have to remind you that the podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll have our force center recommends an audiobook we think you should check out. As we like to do, we catch up and talk about our own personal Star Wars or life adventures. We're all three busy souls making it happen here in the big city, Jennifer. <laughs> and uh, how are you? Good. Thank you. I just started diving into Marvel Superheroes, which is an animated short series on the Disney app. That's all I know. Okay. And it just, my daughter loves it. Now she's obsessed with Spider-Man. And I was like, why don't they have a Star Wars version of this? Please. Like, I don't know who, you know, maybe Finn could, because the whole thing is like Spider-Man tells of his adventures with other superheroes. Oh, nice. Thor, Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel. And they're all like lessons. You know, I learned that I need to be positive and work as a team. Like, <laughs> there's a moral for each episode. Right, there's moral and branding. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> because then you, Spider-Man's your entry point. It, it, precisely. And so I was like, oh. What if they had this for Star Wars? Uh, I love that. Now you're obviously you're a great parent. You're going to encourage what your daughter and whatever she finds herself uh, interested in in life. But it, is there a little, just a little bit of this? Like, no, I've been working so hard to push you this way. I'm like, ah, oh, man. So I'm now I'm buying her, you know, DC stuff and Marvel stuff. I'm like, this is going down a different road that I was not expecting. <laughs> I've got all the Star Wars stuff, kid. You could at least steer into Marvel so that she's all set with the Disney branding. That's yeah. what we I was only thinking. Have to get this streaming service. <laughs> I actually had that thought. I was like, oh no, I really need to steer her more no. towards Marvel. <laughs> At least you can, that way you can go to Disneyland and just pop over to Galaxy's Edge and, you know. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Branded parenting. That's the way to go. It's a financial reality. <laughs> it is. It is. Mr. Scrimshaw, how are you? Good, good. I had some some adventures uh, yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah. I sound like I'm still recovering from them. I just <laughs> yeah. had, like, uh, no, I, I played D&D last night. That's uh, the, oh. It wasn't, you know. But that can take a, that can take a lot out of you. It was pretty easy. Yeah. My character mostly murdered people. It was great. It was really great. Uh, my my big dumb weird adventure because it's it's fun but also just weird. Yeah. Uh, I've been working on this show for Adult Swim that I've mentioned. Yeah. Uh, it should be coming out next year. Uh, it's called Tigtone, big fantasy parody, and uh, I, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about why, but they are airing one episode of mm. this 11 minute show uh, in theaters. So if you would like to pay ten dollars <laughs> to see two 11 minute Adult Swim <laughs> shows. Uh, you can go to the Lamel in Glendale. Wow! Uh, but it was really cool to actually. Yeah. So they picked my episode, which was nice. Uh, the yeah. episode that I scripted of the upcoming series uh, to show. So that was really nice. So I got to go to a movie theater and see the episode of DB I wrote. Yeah. Amazing! That is spectacular. So you tweet that out and was like, it, it seemed like you were surprised as well. Did you know that was happening? Or no, no, no. I knew the night before, and the whole the, wow. the team that worked on it was like, hey, tomorrow at twelve forty, let's go to Glendale uh, to see our TV show in a movie theater. I'm like, okay, okay, sure, awesome. That's it's a, a weird world out here in uh, Hollywood yeah. land. That's, but that's so a great exciting. experience. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. It was really, really cool. 
That's cool. That's cool. Your name and what, what, what we not quite lights. What would, what did we say? <laughs> you said in, in lights. And I was like, it's very fast lights because I'm credited, but it's real fast. Real fast. <laughs> like, there's my name. I almost had time to read it. That's awesome. Well, uh, and congratulations on that. Yeah, dude, that's, uh, we know you've been working hard on it there with all your assigned NDAs or whatever you got. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I, I'm really happy with the show. Everybody who's working on it is doing an amazing job. It's cool to see it. And I will uh, advertise more and yell about it more when we know the exact release dates. Well, and we hope the Force Center family. Uh, steps up and uh, makes it an event yeah. <laughs> so that people can uh, get behind the show. Uh, I had a little bit of Star Wars Adventures myself. Went to a pro wrestling show, which uh, most likely you're not going to find rest- uh, Star Wars Adventures there. But it was with our, our friend uh, Greek God Papadon. Jimmy Papadon's been on Force Center before in Spotlight Star Wars. Uh, big Star Wars fan. Big fan of Force Center and what we do here. And me and John Roca uh, went out to catch the show. A lot of fun. Uh, bumps and bruises, like brews, like beers in downtown L.A. Fun show. Then afterwards, we we hung out. And uh, I got to meet uh, uh, Jimmy's friend, uh, Matt, who we used to wrestle with, and, and Matt's wife, uh, Nikki. And we had uh, uh, an MMA fighter named Bulletproof. Nice. Uh, and Adam, uh, Bulletproof's friend, another MMA kind of reporter, announcer guy. And we all hung out at this downtown, one of those downtown uh, micro brews that all the kids are talking about. They're pretty what awesome. What's it called? What's it called? Uh, Art, Arts District Brewery, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's good. Okay, great. Now, so imagine the scene of the stereotypical, you got Papadon, is, is, uh, you know, he's got those big arms, and he's he, you know, so, so buff he can't put his arms down. Matt used to wrestle. He's a big guy. Bulletproof. He's got a chain with a grenade on it. <laughs> oh and me and then and Nikki the wife, if you had passed by, you'd be like, oh, you make some, you know, you think you'd assume what we were talking about. All we were talking about was Star Wars. <laughs> all we were talking about was Star awesome. Wars. And That's there's always awesome. that moment, you know, we've all experienced it uh, where you meet someone new and you're like, oh, I like Star Wars. Oh, I like Star Wars. And there's this pause. You're like, oh, how's this going to go? Here we go. Here, <laughs> Here we go. go. Yeah. And Matt, who I'd met, who's an author and a podcaster, as it turns out, with Mer Lafferty, uh, who wrote the solo book, he, something he, 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 didn't, he sh- didn't share, which I respect. Okay. He, he's, he looks at me and he's like, I love all of Star Wars. <laughs> I love all of Star Wars. It's, uh, uh, that's controversial. Right. And is. I was like, you're, uh, you're in a safe place. And then and Papadon, he's like, oh, absolutely. Prequels too. Like all this stuff. We had a great conversation. Uh, so if you had passed by and saw Bulletproof and Papadon and all these uh, characters there, uh, we were we were nerding out like uh, never before. But we talked about that. Uh, the guy Adam, he's like, I'm not really a Star Wars fan. I'm an MMA and, and a wrestling uh, nerd. And I, there's always something to nerd out about, which is the thankfully the new definition of nerd. Yeah. Different mm-hmm. from our era. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Get passionate about something. As the late John Schnepp would say, get sweaty. So that was my adventures. A lot of fun. We're going to dive into uh, the news right now, though. Uh, Jennifer, we'll start us off with the news that broke this morning as we record on Mondays. That's right. So unfortunately, Gary Kurtz, the legendary producer of Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, died of cancer on Sunday, September 23rd. He was 78 years old. Over the years, he's had a bit of a strained relationship uh, to Star Wars and George Lucas, but, you know, his contributions to Star Wars will forever be remembered. Um, What do you guys... I I didn't know that he had cancer. It was really unexpected for me as a fan. Yeah, I hadn't heard that as as well. I'm trying to think because... I mean, I think our our friend our friend of the show, Jamie Stangroom, is 
interviewed him, and that was the last times I've seen him on camera. Yeah, oh. yeah. I don't think I was aware of it. And I mean, yeah. it doesn't seem like he was super busy in the industry yeah. right now, right? So he wouldn't right. be making headlines as much in terms of industry stuff. That's mm-hmm. true. Uh, and, and he lived in London, right? So that it's, for us, yeah. it's even another layer of, of, of a way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and an interesting legacy of Star Wars. It seems like he went there for Empire Strikes Back and was just like, I'm not leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Which I understand. London is awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's always been such a fascinating figure in Star Wars, uh, especially we talk sometimes about the generation of people who are alive when the original trilogy came out. Mm. And if you, I've said many times, if you were really cognizant of life in between Empire and Return of the Jedi, that generation of people has more problems with Return of the Jedi. Mm. And I think Gary Kurtz was, in a way, an early hero to people who had some concerns about Return of the Jedi. Because, like, look, he's the one who had his finger on the pulse. He's the one who had some of the big ideas, and it's not the same without him. Mm. You know, and uh, as uh, times change, opinions uh, evolve. Who knows how much that is true? Who knows how much exactly Return of the Jedi would have been incredibly different? Mm. Uh, But I do always, like, hold that special spot in my heart for, like, this is one of the guys, one of the unsung heroes who made uh, Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back is is amazing as they are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we we it's fun. we were just talking about last night about all three, all four or five of us table love the prequels. But hey, we admit, you know, George Rick McCallum wasn't the same. You know, maybe didn't say no or didn't get or maybe said no and George didn't believe him. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want to dump it on McCallum. That's not fair. But we we said and Marshall Lucas's name was brought up. Uh, I think it was actually Papadon who said if 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 she had edited the prequels, it might have been a little different too. Ooh. You know, like if she had had her hands on it. So without a doubt. As the cake gets made, there's going to be a lot of people making that cake, and then one person has the cake. Uh, a little bit, and, and and history is written by the victors, as they say, and maybe George won. But so I, I think we were saying that you know you had Kurtz, and then that's why again he left, and Jedi had it had its own little problems for a lot of generation yeah. of yeah. fans. Mm-hmm. Just a different tone, yeah, yeah, different tone. And I I had never really taken a, a look at that L.A. Times interview from 2010, um, you know, where Kurtz kind of goes into it uh with what what george what he felt felt i should say george had done with the story and done for toys and it's it's pretty biting but also you know time has a way of healing wounds and maybe uh, you know they they remained professional but you can't ignore that part of kurtz's legacy but also beyond that dark crystal yeah uh return to oz Fruza Balk and uh, <laughs> Return of Dawes, uh, a lot of things he worked on as well. And American Graffiti. American Graffiti. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is just an amazing film. Yeah. Yes, it, it is. It really is. I, know, I just love watching Gary Kurtz in all the making of documentaries and in yeah. his interviews talking about that, that sacred time of getting the 1977 Star Wars to the big screen. It's just, yeah, it's like a time capsule. I love watching those, those yeah. films. Well, rest in peace. It's 78. 78, yeah. It uh, gets younger. That age gets younger. Yeah, 78 now does sound shockingly young it because is. people are, are living so much longer. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about the Tippett Studio. Now that Solo, A Star Wars Story is out on digital and Blu-ray release, it's fun to start finding all the Easter eggs in the film. One little detail that StarWars.com shared is when Chewbacca and Beckett engage in a friendly game of Desiric, uh, on their way to Kessel. Chewie takes his anger out on the table, and as a result, the table sparks, freshly dislodging buttons that are f- that fall to the floor, and two of the game pieces fizzle out of existence, never to be seen again. When the VFX supervisor Chris Morley watched the scene in Jonas's performance, 
he had an idea and decided to pay homage to the original stop motion creatures that were created by Phil Tippett and John Berg for the first hollow chest match in A New Hope. Morley told StarWars.com that they found two old creature sculptures that never made it into the scene in A New Hope. They digitally scanned them, and when Solo came around, they decided to recreate those puppets for the new scene. And it was all a happy accident that came about thanks to Jonas's performance as Chewie. <laughs> did you guys notice that Easter egg? I did not. I, I read it. I read the Easter egg, so then I've watched for it yeah. in the film. Yeah. Yeah, but I've never actually seen the buttons fly because my eyes are always looking for the two uh, characters to fizzle out, the two creatures. Yeah, me too. This is a deep cut. This is a super deep cut. And uh, I think my next viewing, which will I'm sure happen within the next couple days, will be I'll pay attention because I I I didn't pay attention I didn't see that you know yeah I just it's there's so many things to look at in in every shot of Star (laughs) Wars, Uh, but I love that stuff much like we talked about the headphone reveal Mm. uh, about Lando's headphones also being a New Hope I I just love those little details it's fun I feel like there could be like a documentary uh, or even like uh, uh, just a a fictional reaccounting of the entire history of just that damn hollow chest. No, because like there's story. all that drama of it being done at the last minute and being like what Lucas at the time thought was just like the perfect icing on the cake. He couldn't believe that Tippett was able to do that at the last minute. Right. And then these two didn't get done and on and on. And then coming back for Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah. And then they they were like where they couldn't find the two pieces. In a, and I think it was who was it? Dennis Murin. Dennis Murin, who had it like in, like, like in a cabinet. They're in my cabinet <laughs> yes. with my glasses. Yeah. Right. Right. What a story to bring <laughs> these uh, characters so cool. on screen. Okay, so it shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone that Galaxy's Edge is going to have crowds. Thankfully, Disneyland has already gotten a head start on figuring out how they will manage the traffic flow to the new Star Wars land. In order to accommodate the expected massive crowds, Disneyland has begun quietly removing fixed seating and planters throughout the park. For example, brick planters that formerly ran along the front of the Haunted Mansion have been taken out. Disneyland officials said that eventually... All of the removed seating will be replaced in other ways, like instead of benches and planters to relax on for free, they're adding more seats in the restaurants so guests can (laughs) relax for a price in (laughs) air-conditioned seats. The the biggest hurdle for Galaxy's Edge is that it is located at the back of the park, which means that guests will have to walk through most of the existing lands to get there. So this obviously sounds like a good start, moving planters. But come, there's got to be something drastic done, right? And this is going to hinder you guys from wanting to even go to Galaxy's Edge the first month because of these crazy crowds. I mean, uh, I'm just sort of... uh we hope that we can find some way to finagle some sort of press passes, right? Yeah. I mean, right, as, exactly. as a group, so we can yep. see it and know it to be able to talk about it. But yeah, I I did relate to some of the exact sections they were describing as choke points that it was hard to get through because mm-hmm. people were creating little bubbles around those seating areas. That is true. Uh, so I think in terms of just like, yeah, it's a choke point, like almost like military precision. I'm like, <laughs> no, we can't go through that pass. We'll be we'll be killed. <laughs> we'll be trapped. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, it Forget totally, fantastic. <laughs> it, it totally feels like that. I'm like, well, if you're going to ambush somebody, it's here. This is the choke point. <laughs> uh, so it like I understand the practicality, but then the brutality of... I was going to write it down as a joke. And I was like, wait, no, that's true. That's what they're saying is you have to pay to sit at Disney now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Soon, if you want to yeah. look at the sky, that will be an additional price. The Disney sky, which 
has no aircraft in general because they've blocked the, the flight path. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, uh, I, I love Disneyland. I, I really do. I'm one of those, like, I get giddy and excited like a seven-year-old. Uh, but even that, uh, you can't help but be a little cynical. Yeah. <laughs> but I also trust them as a, in the sense of they know how to do that kind of stuff. And, Jen, you know from, from being on the inside there at times, right? I yes. mean, they have that stuff in mind. The lack of gum is my favorite thing, that they don't <laughs> sell gum in the park. Right. Um, and if you see gum, it's like a sensor point for the parade. All these weird... I'm fascinated by those things. <laughs> so uh, the fact that they've got this, we'll see. I do love that area you talk about. This is Now we're going to a Disney Center. Uh, by Haunted Mansion yeah. is one of my favorite churro and hot chocolate spots oh. where I love to sit and people watch. Yeah. No, yeah, it is a good people watch. So area. I don't have that bench to people watch. Star Wars fan I may be, I'll be a little grumpy. Yeah, you got to stand know. and watch, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Come on. They should make some like great, fun, interactive space of just like, Sit the F down castle. Just like, that's what you do here. <laughs> oh, man. We go to Toontown and you see a lot of parents kind of like squeezed up on benches next yeah. to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, that was tough. Um, so <laughs> in Morris Galaxy's Edge news, Disney is sparing no expense to make the experience for guests more immersive. One way they are doing this is by having interactive characters roaming around Batu and potentially getting up in your business. <laughs> Disney, yeah. Disney Newscast is reporting that at least five characters will play an integral part in the Star Wars adventure at the Black Spire Outpost. There's a bounty hunter, Harkos, who will mainly hang out in the cantina. Harkos is known for being one of the most ferocious and grumpy bounty hunters in the galaxy. Like him. Uh-huh. There's V. Marathi who is a female spy for the Resistance, and a character from the Phasma novel. Mm-hmm. There's rumors that she could actually be part of the stunt show in Galaxy's Edge. Mm-hmm. Another character we'll meet is Doc Onder, who is an Athorian collector that is supposedly willing to trade any treasure if the price is right. And of course, there will be more familiar characters like Chewie, BB-8, 3PO, and also it looks like Hondo will be making an appearance in the park. Mm-hmm. How will you feel... If you're trying to buy a Bantha plush, yeah. and all of a sudden Authoria comes up to you and tries to bargain with you. <laughs> Pretty great. Uh, this Doc Onder, if this is true, yeah. is a payoff from John Kasdan's epic list uh, last week. Yes. Because right. that one of his bullet points was, hey, you hear Kira mention a character named Doc Onder. Remember that name. Yo, you're right. So, yeah. So I think the idea is Doc Onder is a trader. That's He was selling Dryden and maybe Maul, some of these cool antiquities. Yeah. And now he's hanging out in Blackspire selling antiquities to uh, us, uh, the tired Disney people <laughs> who can't sit down. <laughs> Which makes Solo the most connected property to Galaxy's Edge with I the Black Spire so. reference yeah. in this. You're right. Wow, look at that. Yeah. yeah. Look at that. Coming together. Yeah, uh, buying things from an Athorian, that sounds fun. I right? really like yeah. that. I hope that happens. I mean, they, yeah. they could just be roaming around, but then it's like... It's not like he's well, or this character's well known enough right. to be. I mean, it'll just be cool to see an Athorian walking around, but it's not like kids are going to be like, oh, I want to go. Well, maybe they will. I right. don't know. Yeah. I think they'll buy into it. It's just when he, when he pulls out his chip reader and has you swipe your credit card, it'll be, yeah. you know, be fun. <laughs> or, yeah, but this is what we want from Galaxy's Edge, though. Why? Right? We want I something know. new. We want something yes. different. I want an Athorian to say credit or debit. Credit or debit. I just want to see like a cast member with it, like the Thorian head on top of its the person's <laughs> head, like you know Jar Jar Binks and Ahmed Best. Oh, like that. that's hilarious! <laughs> That'd uh, be amazing. Vimeratti, that's great yeah. connection. That's great connective tissue. Uh, yeah. That's a great character in Phasma. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and and uh, my immediate thought is, well, all right, so she's resistance era. And then we got a, we got a solo era. Oh, no, we're crossing streams. Oh. We're canon. We're walking through worlds between worlds here. And I think it's all going to be said in resistance era and just okay. aliens that well, can live long enough. That would make sense. Which might be really old Hondo uh, if Hondo's <laughs> roaming around, <laughs> sitting around retting out mobility carts. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, Hondo's a weird choice for me because I mean he became a much lighter character yes. in Rebels, but in Clone Wars he starts out as a scary badass who murders people and kidnaps children for money. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Here's uh-huh. a character who kidnaps children for money. <laughs> Welcome to Disney. <laughs> suddenly, yeah. Well, suddenly he's. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot different in Rebels. Uh, yeah, that I didn't. I think uh, Hondo has his followers, his yeah. fans. Yeah, so that's a good good choice, I suppose. But different. Yeah. So the big news of the week comes from our pal Bob Iger. Walt Disney CEO sat down with the Hollywood Reporter and talked about the upcoming streaming service and the future of Star Wars. Iger blames himself for rushing to put Star Wars movies out every year. "Quote: I made the timing decision, and as I look back, I think the mistake that I made." I take the blame, was a little too much, too fast. You can expect some slowdown, but that doesn't mean we're going to make films. Oh, that doesn't mean we're not going to make films. J.J. Abrams is busy making episode nine. We have creative entities, including Game of Thrones creators David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, who are developing sagas of their own, which we haven't been specific about. And we are just at the point where we're going to start making decisions about what comes next after J.J.'s. But I think we're going to be a little bit more careful about volume and timing. And the buck stops here on that. End quote. There's a lot to discuss with that. There's a lot. So that's leading us into our main discussion. Yeah, that that one deserves its own topic. And uh, Joseph, uh, you're going to lead us through that here uh, to to just dive in. Yeah, so much there. Yeah, without a doubt, it's it's big Star Wars news, but also it could be more non-news than you think. It could be more just... uh, Confirming or unconfirmed, not confirming, I don't know. So we're going to dive in and do it properly here on Force Center. But before we do that, we do want to remind you, uh, you can download a free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. And we want to recommend a book for you to try, Joseph. That is right. This week we are recommending Most Wanted by Ray Carson. The solo Blu-ray is out this week, so why not dive even deeper into Han and Kira in the history of the Scrum Rats and Lady Proxima. Uh, all in this great book, Most Wanted. Absolutely. Add some wonderful layers to all characters, but specifically Kira. Love it. So check out Most Wanted if you want at audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center. Get a free audio book and a 30-day free trial, and it helps out the show directly. All right. We are going to IgerCon, <laughs> the convention that uh, I think you, Joseph, coined that phrase first. I, I think I did, yeah, because yeah. we keep getting in, in uh, news from him giving random info to shareholders <laughs> in the board. But this one was a straight old, good old-fashioned interview. That's right. But it's IgerCon nonetheless. Yeah, this is a panel at IgerCon. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jennifer, where was this interview? I forgot to write that down. This came from the Hollywood Reporter. He sat down with one of their uh, their big, big reporters, Matthew Bell. Bellamy? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. He does all the roundtables yeah. um, online. So, yeah, he just spoke directly to them, which is interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was kind of where I even wanted to start because yeah. I feel like this whole thing is like almost like the prophecy of the chosen one. Like, clearly, it's meaningful, 
but we can misinterpret it, right? So yes. Yes. you can pick through it and say, what does it mean? And, you know, you always want to start with the motivations of the person from whom you're getting the information, right? Yes. This was uh, this is uh, one of the most powerful people in the entertainment business. Yeah. Choosing to say specific things to a reporter. Well, why would he do that, right? Like, yep. I feel like this m- must be just to get information out to people who are thinking about Disney, right? Because this is the thing about Star Wars, which is, you know, dynamite in the Star Wars world. He also talks about the Marvel characters merging from Fox. He mm-hmm. talks about the firing of Roseanne and James Gunn. So this is like a bullet point list of the hottest topics, the streaming service. Anybody who is thinking of investing in Disney or maybe already has shares in Disney, all of the things that they might want to ask him about, he's kind of telling the world, is mm-hmm. my take. Right. That's an excellent point. Yeah, there's no no reason Bob Iger, Uncle Bob, as we call him, is going to sit down and say any of this. He doesn't have to. No. He, d- he doesn't have to. Uh, uh, and, and he's pretty open and honest on, on a lot of things there, whether you agree with everything or not. You know, yeah. he's, he's sitting down and going, here's what I think. So you're right. It, it, I don't mean that like a, it's a cynical commercial for potential shareholders, but no. it's definitely definitely part of what's going on. Yeah, I think that's I mean, a good point. Anybody who's already in the industry who gives an interview, it's either because it is part of their uh, responsibility they're being paid to, like yeah. they're on a junket or whatever, and that's, hey, I signed up to play Han Solo, and I also have to answer some questions. Right. Or if you're Bob Iker, you're choosing to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, do you have any other takes on that, Jennifer? Yeah, you want to be able to control the narrative that's out there. And it, it does seem at times like it, it gets out of control. And so mm. he's literally saying the buck stops here on that. I I am the ultimate voice that you need to be listening to, not some random YouTuber, you know, ranting <laughs> about whatever. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I, that would be great if he just said that. <laughs> I would love that. Here are a list of YouTubers not to listen to since <laughs> Bob Iger. I don't think that'll ever happen. Or, oh, I or Bob Iger launches his own YouTube channel. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Uncle Bob here. <laughs> don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> What's everybody doing? Click these links floating about my head. Right. Uh, all right. So I want to talk, uh, I want to break down some specific uh, sections. What exactly is Bob Iger taking responsibility for? Is it, when he's saying about the timing decision, uh, is he saying he's taking responsibility for not moving solo to December when he says a little bit uh, too much too fast? Or is he talking about the whole overall decision of starting in 2015, there's going to be a Star Wars movie a year? I really took it as solo in May versus December. I didn't take it as an apology or we should have done it different or, you know, even pumping the brakes on future movies. I, I looked at the focus for me was Solo did, quote, fail at the box office versus compared to, you know, Rogue One on the other films, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of people thought it was May, and and he's sounds like he's saying, "Here's why." And and some rumors or cynical thoughts about, hey, you know, Lucas or Disney wanted Solo in the first or second business quarter to show their earnings for the rest of the year and all yeah. this kind of stuff. That's where I went with it. Okay, you know. interesting. Uh, how about you, Jennifer? Yeah, I think it's actually yes to both th- both things. I think he's taking responsibility for Soul not making as much money as perhaps people were hoping for. And I also think that he's, I mean, there's been a lot of, of drama. And it's been very, very public with all these st- Star Wars films. And so I think, yeah, they did kind of rush, you know, from the sale to The Force Awakens. It was fast. And so some people have criticized, well, they didn't really have much of a, 
game plan mm. or kind of like, yeah, figuring out like what is what is our course? Um, somebody overseeing that. I mean, obviously Kathleen Kennedy, but mm. I, I do think that he is taking responsibility for kind of rushing things right out right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. I should also just give the context that the specific uh, question or rather statement that he's that he's mm. responding to is many believe Disney should pump the brakes and not put out a Star Wars movie each year. Right. Mm. So I think it's interesting that okay. even after reading that actual sentence that teed him up to what he was responding to, I immediately interpreted as I made a bad decision about when Solo came out mm. because we wouldn't be maybe having this conversation about pumping the brakes if not for that. But he is responding to this each year. Right. So there is the possibility to me that he's saying, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have said, yep, we're going to do this new sequel and we're going to do these standalones. Um, but uh, to me, it's interesting he's taking responsibility because also, like, if there hadn't been a hiccup with Solo, I don't know how many... I think it would be a different... It's a financial business conversation yeah. now. Yeah. It would just be a fan conversation. If mm-hmm. if Solo had soared financially, it would have just been a... Is it, I, did you like Star Wars more when it was rare and special? Right. And that would be, I think, a little bit more a fan conversation than a big industry conversation. I abs- mm. Yeah, absolutely think you're right because then you go to force awakens rogue one uh, no one was complaining by the timing at that point and they were working you know whether whether you like the films or not they were generally considered to be working and then last jedi obviously we as a team you know last jedi we love but it caused the the problem and we can that's a whole different conversation so it's been on the brain and then to have this yeah if solo been in december we would have had this little bit of lull. We would have been waiting. We'd be right now doing a preview episode, watching a trailer. <laughs> yeah. So it just seemed cr- scrunched up. Yeah, see, yeah, you're right. You're yeah. Right. So I wonder if there's just an instinct that that's what he should be apologizing for, because that's <laughs> what yeah, we, maybe, the fans, yeah. think the, the move was. All right. Why do we think he's taking responsibility? Because, again, in the larger context of this uh, interview, just a couple questions earlier, he claimed that firing both Roseanne and James Gunn was not his decision. Right. That the teams involved in both of those came to that decision and then asked for his thumbs up. And he's like, yep. And he really dances around taking personal responsibility for either of those firings. So why do you think he is really making a point of taking responsibility for the timing and volume of Star Wars movies? Well, that's a damn fine question when you frame <laughs> when you frame frame it that way because we uh, you know the belief is that uncle bob is the one who picked up the phone and said roseanne's done you know right mm-hmm. and just because of the speed of it right? yeah right. the speed exactly um and i could see it happening that fast and it lands on his desk that fast or his you know uh, breakfast nook at home <laughs> or whatever. um gosh i got i don't know uh, you're you're yeah i yeah. know I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. And I really think it's to protect Kathleen Kennedy. I think he's like, you guys are all up in arms saying Kathleen Kennedy, this Kathleen Kennedy, that it also is some way to be like, look guys, I'm the one that's really in control and calling the shots Mm -hmm. on a lot of these things. So don't blame it on anyone else but me and maybe some of these problems that we've had with solo, not making all the money or Mm -hmm. switch up with director, whatever it is. He's like, maybe those things could have been prevented if I had not released a movie a year or whatever. It right. Is. You know what Given I mean? Given the marching orders, like I, Disney, gave the marching orders to Lucasfilm, yes. i.e. Kathleen Kennedy. Yes. You must put out this n- number of movies. Exactly. Yeah, they were just doing what he told. Yeah. And he's taking responsibility for that. I, I commend him. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It, and it might just be that the, the three cases are different in that way. You know, there's no reason to think they'd be the same. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it could be be very well that the team behind the Roseanne came to him and, and okay, I'll, yeah, yep, thumbs up, good decision. Meanwhile, this has been this 
business that's been playing out since 2012. Mm-hmm. He obviously would have his hands on it a little bit more. So yeah, that makes that definitely makes sense because I, I definitely think he was the one making a lot of the shots, calling a lot of the shots, uh, going back to even 2012, 2013. So yeah, I guess yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, for me it makes sense to that is what is going to calm fears based on Solo the most to say, mm-hmm. look, it's not this complex mo- moving parts. I can just make better decisions. Mm-hmm. You don't need to yell at Kathleen Kennedy or Lucasfilm. Oh, you know, because I will just fix it next time. So right. don't worry about it. Like to me, if if you feel, I feel feel like if you had in money invested in something mm-hmm. and you went to the boss, I'm like, how can we fix this problem? He's like, I can. I won't do it next time. Thanks. Bye. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. more careful about volume and timing. What what do we think that means? Because that could mean mm-hmm. at least a year between movies. I'm not going to ever try to scrunch them up like I did with Last Jedi and Solo. Right. Uh, but it could also mean if he is saying it was my bad to, to have a movie every year. Mm. Are we to expect what he's saying is two or more years between Star Wars movies? I I, I think that's more possible than I th- even thought when this story broke last week, because they still they're not stopping anything else. The live action TV shows happening. The Resistance is launching in a mere matter of days, really weeks. Um, so maybe. It's this kind of, kind of digging through where they might pull back in the movie, meaning one every two years or something like that. Definitely not two a year. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and but but this idea that Star Wars as a brand or a franchise is slowing down kept all those headlines on the YouTube videos that Thursday and Friday were kind of rubbing me the wrong way because I didn't get the sense that that was what he was saying. Yeah, you know they're still making all this stuff. They just he understands there was. Uh, the pure volume of it might have burned out some casual fans or something like that. Again, going back to Solo. Yeah. What do you think, Jennifer? Yeah, I think that they are going to be... It's like when you have a very sensitive child. And, you know, I think that they were like, oh, Star Wars fans are going to love this. They're going to want a movie every year. And obviously there's been a lot of drama amongst Star Wars fans. And I think that they've read the room and they're like, okay, Mm -hmm. we're going to... We're going to take care of you guys and not coddle, but like, we're just going to be a little treat you guys a little bit differently than we do Marvel fans. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're going to have to be a little bit more careful about when we put out a film, what type of film it is. If it needs more time, give it more time so that it is kind of not perfect, but just Mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, set up for success. Yeah. Because I think with Solo, if they had just let it breathe and kind of just let mm. let that timing go to December, I think that it would have been a totally different reception at the box office. Yeah. Because what's happened now is that we have some angry fans that are like, see, see, our boycott, our boycott worked. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. It's just, you no. know, yeah. casual fans or non-Star Wars fans were just like, eh. Deadpool 2 and Marvel being, or Disney mm. being unable to get out of its own way yeah. with Avengers Infinity War. Right. Uh, to me, I think those are bigger factors. I am yes. still seeing tweets this past weekend of wonderful fans, Force Center fans, uh, and just Star Wars fans in general, tweet, tweeting either us or me specifically going, I finally saw Solo. Mm. Wow, that was uh, that was really good. I don't get the hate. You ju- And the digital release, they just saw it. And, yeah. uh, and that, that, to me, speaks of, I had Avengers, I have Deadpool, Solo. Marketing was different. You know, yeah. uh, those are the things. Those are the things. And so, yeah, yeah, you're right. The the, the other people taking credit, uh, take all the credit you want. It didn't, it, it wasn't the case. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 
he says specifically you can expect some slowdown, which is nice and ambiguous. So there's yes. uh, there's a part of me that also feels like, well, let's take a step back so we can gear back up. Like yeah. even if there is going to be a pause, I feel like they have to still have that Marvel model in their mind of what if, what if, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if they could set up the right thing that uh, has you know, some rolling energy to it. Like if they're in the right position to be like, hey, you know, it turns out you guys did like that solo. So let's do a Lando, Darth Maul, Kira, Boba Fett, you know, four, five, six movie series, right? Yeah. If they <laughs> if they could get that to work, I, yeah. that's a, a series that had momentum of its own. I'm more than sure that they would go back to uh, a little bit more of a speed up than a slowdown. You know, and maybe that also is like the Ryan Johnson trilogy and the, the Dave and Dan uh, series or whatever it's going to be those guys can build up their momentum I think part of the part of the thing is we've had a different director for every single Star Wars film and so in no- multiple ones with the problem yeah. <laughs> right mm-hmm. so it's not like anybody can really hit their stride I think that maybe this is a smarter approach to kind of hand these these auteurs if you will like here make some Star Wars films for us mm-hmm. yeah and kind of get that ball rolling well and just no one else has cracked that formula of Marvel that those the movies feed into one another right. for the most part Ant-Man and the Wasp has nothing to do with Infinity War except for there's mm-hmm. a connection. I'm not even going to spoil it, but there's there's a connection, and everybody who's a Marvel fan knows, even if I'm not that interested in Ant-Man and the Wasp, I'll watch a two-hour movie because I know at least 30 <laughs> seconds are going to relate to this other story that I really care about. Like, right. wow. And I feel like there is still got to be that hope that there could be that kind of momentum created with Star Wars right. movies rather than the total stop and start of utterly unrelated standalones. Mm-hmm. And, and look, there's, there's still, in a way, early on in the game, 2015 is not that long ago, and they started making these in 2012. I, again, I, you, you, Joseph, are more of a, way more, not, not more, <laughs> way more of a, of a Marvel expert uh, than I am. I enjoy the movies, right? You are uh, fu- fully immersed in the world. But you go back to Iron Man working spectacularly. I, Iron Man 2 was rushed. Favreau didn't have the time. It was release date filmmaking. It's not considered one of the better ones, and it's almost forgotten. Mm-hmm. And I think Feige had the plan, clearly, and he's maybe once in a lifetime plan genius. I don't know. <laughs> um, I still think it's somewhat early yeah. in Star Wars. Yes, it's somewhat early to. I think of the first Thor doesn't get looked at as properly. The first Captain America, I think's like, but not. You don't hear it talked about. It. You know what I mean? Where it's like they they really by the time Avengers rolled around, you went, oh, this is working. Yeah, I get it. In yeah. 2012, right for Avengers, right? So. Wow. Yeah, that's four years. And yep. I think part of it is like happy accident. I think if you had asked a ton of fans, even fans who are excited for Solo, do you want five Solo movies? People would be like, no, what right. could possibly happen? But then you see it. Mm-hmm. And then you see the possibilities. And it happens more organically because you let the audience decide, I want more, right. rather than the creators. Mm. Right. And yeah, that's all very interesting to me. Mm. What comes next after JJ? <laughs> the big <laughs> question. Uh, so let's break this down too um he says we're going to start making decision about what comes next after jj's mm-hmm. referring to episode nine <laughs> like it's a deli good old jimmy <laughs> jays yeah, yeah. jj's what JJ's. comes next after jimmy john's uh <laughs> so if they're just starting to make those decisions wow. yeah if there's going to be a star wars movie in 2020 we will have to start hearing about it yeah. soon right because production has to start yeah, soon. That's an interesting line to focus on that because, you know, our, our, one of our phrases we, we love using here, we're not in those meetings. We can hear a lot of different things, but we're not in those meetings. That makes you 
lose confidence in right the 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 creative uh, vision of Lucasfilm like they're just now going to make this so that even even causes me to go well well why would you do that why would you do that i i just think you could still have everything on the table and what he's just saying is we're going to decide what meal we're going to serve next yeah it's all there for us we're just going to make some decisions after after good old jj yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh what are you thinking Jennifer? how I, do you react well you know i think of i think it was kathleen kennedy who a couple of years ago was like, after episode nine, we're going to go back mm. and kind of recalibrate and figure out what the next steps are. So this kind of seems right in line mm, um, yeah. with what they've been saying all along is that they're going to kind of assess everything. And they've got a lot on their plate. Right. Galaxy's Edge, the streaming service. There's just a lot happening. Star Wars Resistance. There's a lot happening. So I think it's natural for them to be like, okay, what worked? What didn't work? How should we move forward? We know that they put supposedly a film on hold that was already in mm-hmm. pre-production. Yeah. So it's not like they have stuff if they want to right. get that ball rolling. But it seems like they're just like, nope, let's let's reconvene yeah. and figure out what our next stage is. Yeah, I agree. I feel like they have the solid beginnings of probably at least three movies that they could push go on mm-hmm. and maybe catch up to a 2020 release. Do you as Star Wars fans want a 2020 Star Wars movie or do you want to skip a year? I actually, I want one. I want I one. Know. Yeah, I, I mean, the idea of skipping a year isn't doesn't bother me because yeah. we talk about that special feel. But yeah, I want one. You know, this is fun. Yeah. This is so damn fun. And, and it's not, two a year was something I might have been against just because... You know, I do like sitting in that theater and, and feeling, but you will never have that feeling from Force Awakens again. And so, you know, we say that a lot. We'll never have that feeling. 2015 to from 2005, we'll yeah. never have that feeling. So I'm already, like, I'm excited for Resistance. I'm excited to start hearing Favreau stuff. But I'm, um, like, give me some Nine stuff. Like, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. Mm. How about you, Jennifer? When is Favreau's series coming out? We don't know we for don't sure. Know, we know the right? streaming service is late 2019. Uh-huh. We don't know if Favreau's show will uh, premiere with it. Yeah. The other thing to think is sometimes when we hear TV series, uh, our, those of us who are older, our old brains can go, oh, a show that lasts from September to yeah. like n- no, no, it's ten episodes. Yeah, that's two sittings probably for most of us. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. Ten to thirteen episodes. It's not. It won't be like there's a TV show running all of January 2020. It's like no, there'll be a TV show that we all watch the first two days mm-hmm. that it's released. Oh my gosh, you're so right. Yeah, uh, different world premieres September 15th after uh, you know yeah that the runs NBC lineup. June. Yeah. Yeah. the next twenty four episodes. Oh yeah. my gosh, but that to me that would kind of satisfy. My my need for Star Wars is giving me Favreau's series in 2020, and if it mm. if they need a little bit more time to to make a film, okay, you guys take take your time. I want it to be right. Yeah, I'm all right with it. Mm-hmm. I'm tired, so I, I don't I don't <laughs> mind taking a break. You know, I just need a break it's, in general. Yeah, well, like I get that feeling sometimes with the novels or the comics. That's why I don't read them weekly now. I go to my comic shop once every four to six weeks, mm. and am reminded of how much I pay in comics when you pay in one sitting, uh, just because I can't catch up three to four yeah. new. It, yeah, so the, taking a break in that way, yeah, that's realistic. But especially because we cover it, we talk about it. Um, but at the same time, yeah, that's you know. Uh, you know, more, more, more has actually been okay. The pacing's been fine for me. Mm. I don't know why. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like as a fan, I agree with you. I feel like the, oh, they only come out every once in a while. That that was a magic that we had that 
we don't have now. And now to me, they feel like uh, feel like a really good burrito. And if somebody, I had one one week, and somebody was like, "Would you like a burrito again next week, or yeah. would you like to wait a year and a half so that burrito is even more special?" <laughs> I'd be like, "No, I really enjoyed it. I'd like another burrito now. Thank you very much." Yeah, I like, eat a burrito every day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Wait a minute. Maybe I want Star Wars three yeah. times a year. Yeah, I want a new. Uh, yeah, and I just feel like uh, if they skip a year, that means we're probably starting to get into the possibility of one of these new sagas starting, mm. which might even mean this might be the last year to shoot in. Like, let's try one more standalone right, and see how right, it goes. Right, right. Oh. This might be an Obi-Wan window. So I think that's partially why I feel strongly about it. Of like, I feel like if they're going to shoot in a movie, it would be Obi-Wan. Yeah, because I, I am okay to, to Jen's point of, uh, you know, get it right, you know, Johnson's trilogy, because he's starting from scratch you know, you believe some of it. He got off a plane and was told, "Hey, how about you want to make a you want to make a trilogy?" Okay, <laughs> um, I want him to have time. That 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 makes sense. Dan and Dave, I still contend they are clearly probably sketching some ideas out, but they are buried in post production on, on that show. They're going to take it home, uh, Game of Thrones. So I I don't I, I would expect maybe that being part of the slowdown just means we're going to make sure we're not going to always do release date filmmaking, which is is the bane of Hollywood for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it true. works a lot with Marvel now. Because they have a system. They have a system. Mm-hmm. Because those movies are still cooking for years. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. It's not just a sudden response. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the, uh, we option this script and it's, uh, the release date will be May 15th, 2023. Like, oh, you already know that. And yeah. I get it. I get the business sense. Why you, these, that, those box office opening weekends are key. You start planting your flags, but it doesn't make for great storytelling all the time. So if that's part of what Bob's saying. Yeah. Bob, like I know. <laughs> you are a shareholder, so like I, I am. I own, yeah. You have a right to call Mr. Iger Bob. One share, I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can call him Bob. Uh, let's talk about what is uh, next in terms of uh, uh, Star Wars. Not only is what we want as fans, because we mm-hmm. talk about this, but since we've been putting kind of our more industry businessy hats, uh, yeah. speculation hats on, what is also best for Star Wars? Because I think sometimes we tend to just think about, what do I want? Right. And that's not what... Bob mm-hmm. Iger, Kathleen Kennedy can do. They have to think of what will work for the most amount of Star Wars fans and still be true to Star Wars and all that. Mm. Uh, so there are two sagas in development. Right. We've got Dan and Dave and Ryan Johnson. That leaves not much room for anything else if they are slowing down development. Should there only be the saga movies in the theaters? Should they basically, Ooh. by default, if they're putting out two sagas and slowing down, that kind of suggests no standalones. Yeah, see, then then right then, you're so mm. right, because um, my immediately, um, I go to, well, could they do that, but also give me classic trilogy era standalone, the Obi-Wan, let's yeah. just say the Obi-Wan movie, and that's immediately putting my fan hat on before any critical thought. I, I, I think you maybe, because Dan and Dave's a series of movies with no, no end in sight. I think you kind of let the Johnsons and their series percolate like, like, like let's not yeah. distract it with uh obi-wan as much as that hurts hurts me yeah to say. okay so jennifer would you be okay with uh no more standalones in the theater because mm. we've got two sagas right. running at the same time one would assume right no i love the standalones yeah. I, I i really do i think it's where you can have fun with with genre i think it's you can really uh dive into a character even further one single character like they did with solo um I, that would be disappointing. 
Mm-hmm. I would like to see them in theaters. I mean, there's just something about going to the movies that I know that it's becoming, I don't want to say archaic, but obviously we watch movies on our phone and mm. iPads and whatnot. But the event of going to the movies, and I look forward to being able to do that with my daughter and taking her to the movies, yeah. getting a snack and whatever. Uh, it would be such a shame if that becomes limited and becomes even less and less over time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I think I get concerned about that because I feel like it's the standalones, like you were saying, is where more experimentation makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the new sagas will be experimental. Obviously, Ryan Johnson has shown that he will do that. Dan and Dave have shown that they will take the spirit of something and deviate from it if they think it's best mm-hmm. in Game of Thrones. It's not like I don't think they will experiment. But I think there's still something about like, oh, a brand new Star Wars saga that isn't a Skywalker saga. There's still going to be that question of how do we tap into the essence of Star mm. Wars? Whereas I feel like standalones are much more like, how can we explore the edges of Star Wars? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it, the standalones might be the breath of fresh air that is truly needed to keep Star Wars alive. I, yeah, that's why I love the standalones so much. I, I love sitting down with Solo and, and connecting it to the big picture, connecting it to Rogue One now, you know, and all those yeah. kind of funny things. And that's, that's I, I, I am sometimes at odds um, with the idea that Star Wars needs to always be new and different. I, I just don't, I, I push back against the ATSD, ATSD kind of <laughs> insult of nostalgia. Yeah. Because this is, why, this is what I signed up for in 83. Right, it's world building. It's, it's world connected. building. Yeah, yeah, it's what I signed up for. And, and um, it's, different, it's different in Game of Thrones anticipating a prequel series that's 10,000 years before because that history is so ingrained into the world that is built and we watched on HBO or read in these books, you yeah. know? So now I feel as though I'm getting part of that world. Ooh, I want to see Land the Clever and how we f- stole Castle Rock. Yeah, that's going to connect to the Lannisters of, of today. So if I know, you know, Ryan Johnson's completely new part of the galaxy and everything is interesting to me because I'm a fan of Ryan Johnson. But is there at least a, a framed picture of Luke Skywalker on the wall? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, these like, other Force users yeah. heard of the Skywalkers? I want yeah. new and different Star Wars, but I also want it in the same galaxy. Yeah. Which yeah. makes me re- think of like John Kasdan when he was talking about Solo and how they approached it, which is like, we had this cool character of Han Solo. Let's plop him in a, a fun heist movie, essentially. Mm. And that's a, where we could go back to some of our familiar characters, Obi-Wan or Jabba the Hutt or whoever it might be, and be like, okay, this is a character you guys all know and love. Let's plop him in some fun adventure and just, and it doesn't have to be yeah. you know, too much about it. It's like, uh, to me, like when you hear Han or actually hear Beckett first go, hey, if you you know find me on Tatooine, there's a big shot gangster putting it, I, I go, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Do you want to be like, Go to uh, you know uh, back to Mimban. There's a mid-level gangster. Like no, I want Java. You want Java. I want right? Java. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think Solo just yeah it demonstrated that great like uh, you know Han Solo in in the Skywalker saga is this outsider who's trying something new, yeah. and Solo is him in his world surrounded by his people, and that's exciting. Yeah. Um, should there be two sagas running at the same time? I think yeah. If it, if it's alternate. Years. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that be that would give the, the the movies this inherit pump the brakes time to breathe. Yeah, Uncle Bob thought there. So 2021's Ryan, 2022 Dan and Dave, vice versa. Yeah, uh, you know, does that work for you, Jennifer? If they're if that's what's in the theaters, it is interesting because I could see how they would be pitted against each other. Well, I like Dave and Dan's (laughs) better than Ryan Johnson's. You know, I'm going to boycott Ryan Johnson's, or you could say, hey, fans. 
you don't like Brian Johnson's, guess what? Dave and Dan is is, is their trilogy is coming out or their film is coming out next yeah. year. Or you don't like that one? Great. Ryan Johnson's is coming out the year after that. So it I don't know, maybe that's the better way to do it. Yeah, the saga wars. Yeah, right? to appease all the fans. Or it could, yeah, be a duel of the fates. Yeah. I would think that they would also have to coordinate a lot and not mm. even to have like, yep, mm. all Star Wars families now have a framed picture of Luke Skywalker. Not even like right, any right, right. fun <laughs> detail like that. But if they're both sort of thinking about like, what makes Star Wars Star Wars and how can I put a new spin on it? Uh, what if they come up with things that are a little too similar? Like mm. it's asking people to be very, very creative in yeah. very just you go off and you imagine a new play. But let's talk to each other to make sure we didn't yeah. come up with the same thing yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah but it's so funny I, I talked about pro wrestling up top but there's I always go to that well in pro wrestling there, there is examples of this of old school thought of in a locker room you go alright here's the finish of our match uh, I'm gonna body slam I'm gonna jump off uh, onto Joseph and pin him from the top rope and you go to the match before you and go what's your finish and they go well we're gonna go to the top rope ah okay we okay. can't do that yeah it, that's how you build wrestling shows and so I do think if you have dueling sagas you'd have to right like what? Do you have a, a father daughter dynamic? Okay, mm. that's great. We're gonna have to focus on something else. Like you would have to have some court, right? I mean, just like big picture things. Yeah. Like, does a dark side character turn back to the light in your chapter two? I'm on my chapter three, and yeah. that's when a dark side character turns back to the yeah. light. Like, yeah, it's it's fascinating to think about. All right, here is the harshest question I think I've ever thought to ask oh, on Four no. Center. If there was only going to be one saga. Would you want the Dan and Dave or Ryan Johnson? This is a dangerous, not even speculating responsibly because we don't know anything of what they're planning. It's just I fear that this day will come that they that Lucasfilm will consider, wow, both sagas at the same time. Maybe Dan and Dave ends up on the the streaming service like many fans have pointed right. out. Like they've never committed that these are theatrical releases. Right. Uh, who knows what it is, but, you know, is there a day where they come <laughs> head to head or is it who, whoever just gets one ready to shoot first <laughs> and go and go? Uh, how do you feel about that matchup? Ooh, Jen, do you have a, are you leaning somewhere? <laughs> this is no, no contest oh. for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Ryan Johnson. I want to see Ryan Johnson's saga. I think that I love The Last Jedi. I love what he did with The Last Jedi. He is a real auteur. And I mm-hmm. think that, and not to say that Dave and Dan aren't, mm-hmm. but there is something about Ryan Johnson that is reminiscent of George Lucas and so many great filmmakers of the past. And and yet, he's not afraid to take risks. So to me, that's why I would be excited to see his saga. I know that Dave and Dan are going to come up with something good, but Ryan Johnson could blow my mind. Yeah, yeah. See, I, out of out of loyalty to Ryan and and you know just being a fan of what he did uh, and protective of him as a, as a, the, the abuse he's received, I I would choose that. Now, yeah. you know, obviously, he's a big Game of Thrones nut. Uh, I, I I trust Dan and Dave, um, but it also might be a little bit going back to what's your point, Joseph, about what you as a fan. If it's Old Republic, I'm intrigued because I want to finally learn, but I'm not connected to the Old Republic like a lot of other yeah. fans are. So, all right, if Dan and Dave do an Old Republic series, and, they, and we don't know for a fact that that's what they're doing, we should point out. No. Um, if that ends up on the streaming service, that would be fine to me. Yeah. To me. <laughs> that's the difference. <laughs> yeah. 
I lean a little toward Ryan Johnson for the same reasons of that. I feel like it, the Star Wars really needs that mix of new and old, and I think he will bring some new while really respecting the old. My interpretation of The Last Jedi is that he is challenging classic ideas of Star Wars mm. in order to reaffirm them for the next generation. So I don't think he is tearing things down. I think he's building things up in, in fresh new ways. Mm. Uh, so I'm excited by that. That said, mm. if I just had a business hat on, if I was just yeah. a cartoon from the 50s chomping on a cigar going, money, 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 money. <laughs> and some and Ryan had an amazing idea. And then Dan and Dave were just like, we're doing the Old Republic. Mm. There's something to me that I just business-wise think Old Republic is the smartest place to go. Yeah. Because you have the familiarity of everybody knows the Jedi and the Sith. Well, here's a time where the Jedi were more violent. And they had <laughs> whole wars. It's just, I mean, it's just yeah. hundreds of exotic characters with lightsabers fighting. Yeah. You have that as your baseline, then you can be as creative as you want. Mm. You know, it it could be an Athorian as the lead character. You know, right. you <laughs> could have so many new ideas starting with that. And you know, yes, you can have rhythms of anything you want in any mm. of the other movies, but you're also totally not attached to anything. Yeah. I you're right. I mean, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You mm. know who's right. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, you're, Boy. yeah. No. Yeah. 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 You're you're right because it, the, even I've from the day the one news is announced about Ryan Johnson's trilogy, another time, another place. I'm like, well, okay, what is? But you know, there's so many questions. I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, and maybe he is doing the old Republic. And maybe he is. Yeah. Maybe oh he boy. is. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But well, I hope for his sake he isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh my yeah. goodness. Uh, but yes. The creators of uh, the Game of Thrones show who adapted this giant world and this powerful powerful battle for a throne and ice dragons, they're giving you what you've wanted, the Old Republic, and yeah. we've got a bunch of new creators and directors coming in working with them on it behind it because they're not going to probably yeah. direct it. Boom, that works. Yeah, yeah that works business-wise. Yeah, but at the same time, now I feel guilty because I think sometimes <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the financially wisest thing to do is to take the most creative risk. And yep. that's often what pays off. Hmm. So, man, I think this is just a good way to illustrate that these are not easy decisions. No, yeah, for, right. Yep. For the, the people making them about, about what we're getting for our yep. Star Wars. Uh, we got a great question from a fan that uh, wrapped into this conversation perfectly, so I wanted to share it. It's uh, at uh, Alejo No Number. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Alejo says, with Disney doing a show about Loki with Hiddleston, do we have a chance to get a big budget miniseries with Mark Hamill? Uh, so if this is news to people, there is a rumors, not confirmed, but probably solid rumors that for the stream, Disney streaming service, uh, the MCU's contribution is going to be limited series television shows about characters we already know from Marvel movies starring the actual characters. So the rumors are Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch which of course is going to get fans to salivate of like, wow, we can't get Solo 2, but how about the Kira limited series? The Kira versus Maul 10-episode mm. limit, limited series. Um, Alejo's specific question is about Mark Hamill, and for myself, I would say, I'm not sure if Mark Hamill is going to do that, mm. but uh, I wanted to open up mm -hmm. the specific Mark Hamill question to you, but the larger question of, if those kind of juicy storytelling possibilities are there with the streaming service, would you rather have stories told that way and just have one saga running in the movie theaters? First of all, what a wonderful time we are I know. <laughs> as fans. Because yeah. imagine this. Well, we did get it, the Ewok adventure movies. <laughs> you know? And 
yes, Wisties, we love, but look oh at those movies gosh. compared to what we might be getting. Just the fact that we're even talking about this is a realistic possibility. Yeah. In your home could be fresh new Star Wars live action with Mark Hamill. I don't think I don't think at this point Hamill would do it, even if you young him up and technology and they do that or you know I, I just don't know if he's he would be interested, but I think this is a, a no brainer to explore. Yeah. You know, makes sense for Marvel. Yeah. And if you're getting hit Hiddleston to commit to that, because again, it's a different era. I think Ewan Ewan would absolutely want to do an Obi Wan short series. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are your reactions, Jen? Yeah, I think I don't think Mark Hamill will do it. I think it'd be tricky how, how they would make that happen, um, just physically. But I think it's a possibility. And I know a lot of people online with the with the whole uh, Loki and Scarlet Witch news hit. Everyone's like, oh, Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about Star Wars? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, eventually. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. But I mean, you got, you got Favreau with a you know multi million dollar TV series. Yeah, uh, you know that's yeah. that's that's pretty damn good. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Yeah. Good point. The whole thing, you know, taking their time. That's yeah. let let that breathe. Yeah. How would you feel, Jennifer? You were talking about the special experience of actually going to the theater. Imagine that this just does become very popular storytelling, and we can get basically the rest of this whole underworld story that John Kazan is talking about, except for its. A TV show. There's an Obi Wan TV show. There's a Job of the Hut TV show, mm-hmm. custom made for you. Uh, but that means that in the theater, it's just the big sagas, maybe every couple of years apart. Are you happy with that picture of Star Wars? Yes, because my husband and I tried to go see a movie this past Saturday, <laughs> and we were running behind, and we were like, "Oh no, we're now ten minutes late." Oh no, we're now 20 minutes late and there's no way we could get dinner. And we have literally two hours with my mom there to babysit my daughter. And I'm like, when is this movie going to come out on, on yeah. release on, on, you know, digital or on demand or yeah. whatever? I really want to see it, but we just can't. So give me Job of the Hut at home mm. where I can watch it. Yeah. Please, please. Yeah. Yeah, technology's changed uh, to the point where your home viewing experience is is obviously much better than it was. Is it the same? No, it's not the same. And you want to still go to the theater to see the big event movies. And as my dad would say, I love the ones with special effects. I want to go see those. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, would would I rather see Obi-Wan in the desert on the big screen? Yes. Oh, yeah. But knowing that I can be at home in my sweatpants uh, with the frozen pizza, uh, which I had the other night and thought of you, sir. Oh, thank Um, you. I'm, yeah, this is what the age we're in now. Yeah. And, and I'm grateful for that. So, yeah, I'd be happy. Yeah, there's some things that I would love to see in the big theater with the whole fan experience. But at the same time, I am just grateful yeah. if we get more options to hear these stories yeah. with these great actors. All right. Uh, just a couple of questions left in our main topic. If you accept this idea that Star Wars does need to evolve to thrive, what do you think should change for you and what should stay the same? Because I think that's a part of that slowdown is really looking at what makes Star Wars special if it's gonna if there's gonna be more of it? <laughs> I, I, I I start from here. Creatively, I've been really happy, but I know that that's maybe just me or us or everything. Not that everything's been perfect, and I wouldn't expect it to be. Uh, just just ask the late Gary Kurtz about Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I mean, that seriously, yeah. that starts back then. You know, it's like it's it's so. Uh, but creatively, I've been overall tremendously happy yeah. with it. So, so I know that's not everybody. But uh, I, I think I go back to some stuff we talked about in other episodes, and, and, and Joseph, you pointed out really well, the, communicating better. I really think business-wise, maybe things need to evolve to thrive. Yeah. Uh, who they're bringing in, how they're announcing it, how they're announcing events and movies and stories, and, and more confidence. What Bob Iger's doing here is 
is trying to sit down and go, no, don't worry. Buck stops with me. We got this. If, if I, I, I look at that, the business side has been more of a struggle. They've made billions of dollars. Yeah. But it's been more of where I think the, the, the crack has shown, and that's where people jump in and explode the crack. Right. <laughs> that's where I want it would change versus create, create, creatively, I think they've done well. Okay, cool. How about you, for you, Jennifer? From a business standpoint, I think that they really need to target kids even more. When I look at that Disney app and the, how smart they are with these shows, there really is something for every type of kid with these classic kind of Disney characters. And so if you applied that same model to Star Wars, it's not quite the same, obviously. But it is one way to really get those young fans hungry so that they're, you know, they're wanting to see. Because like right now, I feel like the movies are start of, starting to go a little bit older, mm-hmm. you know, than, than when we grew up with Star Wars. And so I think that they might have to actually now, I don't want to say separate it, mm-hmm. but m- keep us older fans happy and also bring in the younger fans because they're the ones that are going to be are going to be lifelong fans, and that's how you make your money. Yes, they're going to inherit young the lightsaber, yes. Exactly. You want to sell more toys? Give them more cartoons. Give them the Marvel superheroes thing you know, so okay. they can get su- uh, roped in. It's it's kind of cyn- it's not cynical, but uh, yeah, it's hard. It make it makes it in some ways a little bit less special, um, but it's just reality. No, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that cynical because it's honestly like so uh, has such rhythm with what's actually going on with Star Wars. Is how do we keep these ideas alive and then pass the, pass on what we have learned? You know, right. mm-hmm. it's so generational. I don't. I think it's a great way to think of the business model is being yeah. generational too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, for me, I, Ken, what you were saying about world building is really important. Of just like this is what you signed up for. Yeah, of this is how it looks. This is how it feels to be in this world. I feel like you always have to feel like you are being taken to a galaxy far, far away. Mm. I think it should. All Star Wars content should always have at least a pinch of that George Lucas it's for 12 year olds Mm -hmm. it's there's a sense of morality that characters are really not just wrestling with a conflict but truly wrestling with some big picture of hard moral decisions right but then within that I feel like they just have to go crazy with Mm. tone with genre with uh, diversity of Mm. every kind Mm. uh, of way you can interpret that in storytelling uh, in Star Wars aliens and actual humans from the earth in front of and uh, behind the camera I think like drilling down, finding those core ideas, and then being as creative as possible. Yeah, one one of the big things is Star Wars went global right away, right? So now it's not just something that we all grew up with in in America as as you know, it's our little thing. This this impacted the world. Yeah. So that's part of what you're talking about too. Is Star Wars has to, uh, you know, there's a lot of different people that's influenced. So now yeah. those people who had influenced get to help tell the new Star Wars stories. That's where I see some of it, too, the growth. Cool. All right, final question. Uh, It's kind of fun, but also uh, painfully difficult. You can greenlight two movies, one that's just like, I don't care what anybody else wants, I I want this, and one that you are making from a business decision of like, yep, I think this is the best way to move forward with Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Jen looks pain. I'm so sorry, Jennifer. (laughs) All right, all right. Uh, The one that I want... Is absolutely, uh, you know, probably your choice as well. We got to have Obi Wan in the desert. We yep. just have to. We just have to. Even if it's two hours of him just cooking soup and telling <laughs> the stories. And the one I want to make is um, as uh, Luke is alive 
and he grabs a lightsaber and, and says, all right, I'm back from the other side. I, I stepped into the world between worlds. Now I'm here, and me and Ahsoka are going to take down the First Order. <laughs> that's that's your, what you want, right? That's your business one? Yeah, that's my business one. <laughs> hmm. Luke and Ahsoka teaming up in the world between worlds to go defeat all evil ever, yeah. right? Wow. They can open each door, yeah. step through, and yeah. just kick ass. And it's, I got to give some sh- profit to, to my friend, uh, the Greek god Papadon, last night. He's, he's like, I have this idea where uh, uh, Ray wakes up from a dream, and Luke says, you had a force vision. And then episode nine, and he's, he, by the way, loves episode eight. Yeah. He's just like, and then like, Ahsoka's there, and it's like a rebooted Star Wars. Like she went to another time, like, like the Kelvin timeline, <laughs> and it was so crazy. We're having a couple beers, and it's just like, you know, that could work. Yeah, that could work. <laughs> nice, nice. Mm. All right, uh, Jennifer. Yeah. Okay, personal choice, Jabba and the criminal underworld. So it wouldn't just be him. It would be like an ensemble piece. Uh, that's obvious. <sighs> for the best for um, as an executive, the old republic. <laughs> <laughs> it just does not excite me. I'm yeah. sure that if I were to see it, I'd be like, oh, that's so cool. Right, I right. can't wait and I'd eat my words. But right now I'm just like, it's such a safe choice. I know who it would appeal to. Uh. <laughs> in the words of Toad from Toad and Frog, bleh. But what if the so Old Republic the be- began with like... Sorry. So sorry, Jennifer. <laughs> sorry. I feel very strongly about no, this. I get it. We gotta oh, do an God. Old Republic counseling episode. Yeah. I see all these YouTubers. You know, I just want the Old Republic. Yeah. Give right. me that yeah. trilogy. What if the Old Republic started at Jedi school with like an eight-year-old you know, girl uh-huh. learning the ways of the force. And then, you know, there's some teachers. One of them's kind of a, you know, dark arts uh, kind of professor here. <laughs> so like Harry Potter. Yeah. I yeah. Like what if it. it's that? What there if it's go. old Republic? It turns out to be just Star Wars Potter. Yeah. I mean, I'm I in. think, I mean, part of the business decision with it is, yeah, old Republic. Some people will be upset because I don't think a, any movie versions are going to pick up. Exactly. Right. If they pick up anything, it's going to be very Thrawn-like. Of sure, that character exists. That character's cool right. in entirely different circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's. I think that's why it's a good business model because it's got name recognition. But you could do anything with it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To be clear, I'm feeling better. I don't think Dan and Dave, if if the, if they're don't, they are not reading Drew Carpetian books right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think so. And going, all right. What do we? They're just like, cool. Here's some things we know about. I I know they're Star Wars fans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be funny, though, if they were making it like Game of Thrones. Like, we found there's only two or three of these books, right? How many How many did he do? He did. He, two, I know he right? did at least three, but he did, he did three. Yeah, okay. the, like, the Bane trilogy, but yeah. Maybe they're yeah. just like, okay, we'll just make that. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're real good at making <laughs> books, and these are done. These are done. So, great. We won't oh have my to. Goodness. <laughs> All right, for myself, uh, I desperately want that Obi Wan movie. Yeah. I do think Old Republic is a, a good business model, but then I'm cheating and saying I also want a Kira movie if I just got to make whatever I wanted. It's great. Mm. A Kira underworld movie that continues that story. You got Maul, but you got. Kira leading the charge, which yeah. is cool. Uh, all right, so thank you uh, for for going and being indulgent with me as we broke down the prophecy of Bob Iger. Yeah. I know there there was some uh, not uh, responsible speculation, mm-hmm. and I know that that the, everything we just covered is stuff that people have really strong opinions about. So as always, these are our opinions, and we're always excited to hear other people's opinions as well. Absolutely. What'd you think about Uncle Bob and the big IgerCon uh, convention that he held this week? <laughs> uh, we got to we got to push that just to the point where we maybe create some Force Center uh, uh, IgerCon merchandise. That's right. We'll get, we'll get on some t-shirts. <laughs> we'll get oh my on goodness. some t-shirts there. 
Uh, now we're going to take some audience questions. This is uh, from you all out there on Twitter, Facebook, and Patreon. Let's dive on in with the first question coming from Brendan Morris at Brendan Morris 26 he writes, think we could see Han and Infus meet again during slash post-galactic civil war. The interaction between them at the end of Solo makes me hope for this. Infus could throw it back in Han's face because she was right. One day Han did feel differently. Hmm. Good, good thought and question. Jennifer, what do you think about Brendan's thoughts here? Yeah, I was actually just watching this scene last night. It's such a great scene, and I really do want them to meet again. I don't know about post-galactic civil war. I'm hoping if, if they, the sequel ever happens, that they would cross paths mm-hmm. again in some form or fashion. Uh, and I do know, oh, I didn't even mention this in the news because no, there's nothing out yet, but the ABC reporter Clayton... Sandal? Uh, yeah, he shared, I think, the, oh, if you have questions for Enfys Nest, mm. let me know. So oh, maybe nice. he'll be interviewing Aaron Kellyman. Mm, nice. Yeah, soon. Mm. Yeah, Just this is great. I absolutely yeah. want to have that moment. It is fascinating to think when it could be. Is it during the, yeah. the actual Civil War? It'd be so cool to have. There's so much tragedy in Star Wars. It'd be cool if Enfys Nest lived a long life through the whole battle. And it'd be like she runs into Han, you know, yeah. 10 years after Return of the Jedi. Like, so, uh, to see you uh, see you got involved. You see, you got a medal. What's yeah, that, what's so you that got that a medal. medal yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love this uh, idea. I love the scene. Like you were saying, Jen, watch that again. I just, I, I love Enfys uh, unmasked after, after the end. Uh, kind of like the new face of the rebellion in a lot of ways. What happens to her? That's a good question. You know, this meeting with Saw is interesting at the mm-hmm. end of the novel. Really good. And obviously we know what happens with Saw. And the rebellion is big and it's far and it's wide. And we already got these spots of, you know, where's Hera during the Galactics of War? We know she was there. We know she was on Endor. But we know she's going to be around the corner because we can't go back in time <laughs> and have George uh, put a Harris Adula yeah. in there. So now the, if we get a story of Memphis, it'll have to be explained why we don't see or hear. Sure, that's just the reality of what we're in. But I love her surviving. I love her being part of uh, not just celebration of what happens, but rebuilding and helping to rebuild the worlds that uh, her team is made up of. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, and and seeing what that what that is like, and and the idea of her and Han communicating, because uh, you know he he comes back, but he runs away, and then he comes back, and then he's there, Jedi. <laughs> so if it was after Jedi, uh, it'd be maybe it's at the wedding of Han and Leia. Oh, that'd be yeah. great. Enfys Nest marches in, still wearing her armor. Still wearing her armor. I love that. Yeah, good question, Brendan. Christian Thorpe, until Valhalla, is his uh, Twitter handle there, Uh, says, before Sidious names Anakin Vader, he pauses a moment to think, is he making up the word, or do you think he's naming him after someone? Darth Vader. (laughs) Joseph? This is so You know Palpatine. I do. I love Palpatine. Darth um, yeah, and I remember a lot of people, uh, friends of mine being like, I thought we were going to find out why. Why Darth Vader? Uh-huh. Um, I feel like in the movie, it does feel like he is just thinking for a second and is like, uh, what's my list of mean names? Mm. I've used Small. I've used Tyrannus. <laughs> Vader is next on the list of mean names. Right. Uh, it sounds, it can sound in the movie like he's pulling it out of, yeah. <laughs> out of his ass. But I really like in my own headcanon that there is some sort of history mm. and reason for Sith names. Yeah. And I think that would be a fun story to explore sometime, somewhere. It's like the Pope. <laughs> Darth John Paul II. Vader means Vader, right? In German, means father, right? right? So maybe he's like Darth 
no, it's too on the nose. I'll go the German way. Vader. <laughs> Do you think that going on that notion, let's say Vader in some sort of Star Wars language means father as well. Do you think Palpatine was driving the point home that he knew Padme was Ooh. with child in yeah. some way? Ooh. Just twisting the knife. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of good. Now, we know Obi-Wan like says, uh, you know, the Emperor knew as, uh, you know, I did. Vader had a new offspring. We know that line. We know mm. a line. But let's fudge with the canon. Do you think maybe he was just like, eh. That's yeah. fun to imagine. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Okay. You're never going to be a father now, yeah. but it'll be in your name. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like when Palpatine pranks you. Yeah. I would want to find out a little bit more about the Sith, na- Sith names in canon. You know, if they're in some old Republic book, I haven't read them. Um, find out a little bit more about it. Yeah, it absolutely. Is kind of fun. All right. We got some questions from Patreon. We like to take two each show. This is from our Patreon supporters. We'll tell you where to find the page and support if you want to a little bit later. Eric Gaudet writes, do you think the novels will ever tie in more with the movies? We'll love how Catalyst perfectly tied in directly with Rogue One. What characters introduced in a novel would you think is most worthy of their own story on the big screen? So kind of two little questions there uh, about the novels. Uh, Jen, I know you don't get a chance to read them as much as we do. Yeah. We understand the realities behind that. But uh, do you have your thoughts on uh, on this? Yeah, I, I loved Catalyst, and I liked how perfectly tied in it uh, tied in with Rogue One. However, it almost made me want more from Rogue One because it was so good. Um, but, yeah, that would be great. I don't know what that would be next, right? Because, I mean, if there's no more standalone films, I mean, they could tie it in with episode nine Mm -hmm. if they introduced a new character, perhaps. Yeah. Or... Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of, like, the first part of what Eric is saying is I think they've been doing a great job of tying things together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But I think in terms of relating to the movies, there's always that uh, timeline issue of you need to really wait until the movie is... Right. Cooked, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Catalyst worked surprisingly well mm-hmm. uh, that it didn't end up having any friction with Rogue One. It, in fact, was mm-hmm. seamless. Right. Yeah. But that's not always going to be the case if things... I mean, and the yeah. whole journey to Force Awakens shows us that of like, hey, yeah. you got to have a book where you meet Sarko Plank because, oh, was he cut from the film? Okay. Yeah. And it's just like <laughs> all of that. Right. Constable Zuvio syndrome, we yep. can call it too. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because Catalyst is, I think, the one that connects the most. But I even remember, remember that was delayed just a little bit. Remember the comic of Rogue One was delayed a little bit, a little yeah. bit of the story that we covered, uh, probably to maybe go back and sync some stuff up to the new third act or whatever. So uh, I think you said it really well, Joseph. I think they connect more than people give them credit to. Mm-hmm. But it is after the fact. It is the movie is in production. The script is completed. Go write this thing. And then the Legends of Luke Skywalker does connect more than we think to Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, Battlefront 2 and the Compass. But what the problem is because of that, we go into Last Jedi going, we just play Battlefront. Oh, that's the Compass. Oh, we're going to get an answer. Oh, it's just there. No, it's just there. It's just cool. It's just cool, and I think that's what what Eric's spirit of his question might be of will we get that kind of answer. And I mm-hmm. look at Rogue One as, while you'll never get them as connected, because I did feel Catalyst was such a good, you know, precursor to, to Rogue One. The Rogue One novelization which came out after had so much more information that as much as I love Rogue One, I still watch it and go, oh, if only it had... Cassian is a separatist. And oh, if Galen and, mm-hmm. and Krennic had one more meeting and talking, yeah. you know, like... Yep. 
So you have to be careful because not everyone is is reading those books. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, to to his second question, yeah. uh, I'm excited to see that uh, V. Marathi from a novel yeah. is being uh, is going to be a prominent character allegedly at uh, Galaxy's Edge. I think she's a great character. If you know mm-hmm. could ever get a standalone movie or TV show from a book, that would be my answer. Okay, she's set up to be a hero. I like that. I like that, Jen. Yeah, well, I'm still making my way through Lost Stars, mm-hmm. but I like the idea of what is it? Sienna. I, yeah. I call her Sienna, but I don't think that's how you pronounce it. It is Sienna. Sienna Ray. Sienna Ray. Yeah, yeah Ray, I yeah. think that would be fantastic to bring her oh, onto yeah. the, the big screen. Mm-hmm. So that's my pitch. Absolutely, mine. And I think on a future Star Wars rank, we're going to be covering Joseph and I are going to be ranking uh, comic and book characters that we mm, like to see in live yeah. action. I think we're working Ooh, on that. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I just remember thinking about it. I asked this question. <laughs> I don't want to spoil my list entirely, but I, I can't deny uh, that uh, I think it is time. At some point, we will see Ray Sloan. Yeah. I think at some point, it was great to even have her mentioned in Battlefront 2 by name. You know, it was yeah. like, this um, I made that sound at home. I was playing the game with dropping controller. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's someone who's factored in so much to the foundation of the first order that yeah. if we're going to get an answer, uh, you know, at some point, some point. Uh, thank you, Eric. And Alden Diaz writes, what in your minds is the greatest example of an I didn't know I wanted that moment from the four new Star Wars films? That's the thing you never speculated or imagined that made you feel the most satisfied when it played out. There's probably a couple different options. I mean, we cover Star Wars weekly, yeah. and there's a lot of things where we're like, I don't want, and then it happens. Yeah. You know? So what do you have, Joseph? Uh, the thing that I didn't know I wanted in particular was Snoke's death. That was the thing that surprised me the most. Because I yeah. thought about, like, well, uh, yeah. Luke's, you know, surprise force using. I didn't know how he would do that, but I wanted him to do something amazingly powerful in the force that was still a pacifist move. Mm-hmm. So I, there's a part of me that expected that. I did not expect Snoke to be taken out. Yeah. And I'm so happy with that decision because it gives so much life to Kylo Ren and makes sure that there's not too much of the exact same poetry between uh, right. the trilogies. Yeah, that that's actually... Yeah, I remember just cackling the first time I saw it. And it was like, so great. I mean, the execution of it, I, yes. I know some people don't like it, but I love the execution of it. And when Ray pulls the blade out and he's fully yeah. severed, man, beautiful. Love it. Love it. Jen? Basically all of Solo. I was like, I don't need to see the Kessel Run. I don't need to see Han and Chewie meeting. I don't need to see the Sabacc game. They gave it to me. I loved it. I was like, yeah. oh, actually, I, thank you for showing this to me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Surprising. Yeah. It's a great answer. Great answer. Because that's, I think, a lot of fans are in the same spot. Why they were tweeting. I hadn't seen it. Didn't see it yet. Um, a lot of people, I, I know, hardcore, long time, over 40 Star Wars fans. I don't want to see that story. And then they get it, and maybe their mind changes. So I didn't want Solo getting his last name. I'm on record as saying, Ooh, yeah. oh, that would have been mm. silly. Then I got it. And I put a, I'm willing to die on the hill that that worked for me. And I even argued about it this week <laughs> with someone who said, and I won't, I won't out them. There's someone in our community, our digital media community was like, that's the only thing I've seen. I saw a little commercial for that. That is, the, I, he, he literally tapped me on the shoulder and goes, I feel so sorry for you as a Star Wars <gasps> fan that that scene's in the movie. And I said, I got to tell you, it's one of my favorite scenes. Wow. How yeah. it plays oh, out, great. how the Imperial is drawn. Yeah, just, uh, my day here, and I love, and then the novel even adds more to it. I'm like, no, nah, it's, 
it's good. And, 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 you know, at some point, I think even Luke questions Han's name and some other book I remember reading. Maybe it's completely false and I had a fever dream. Like this idea of this name. So I thought I didn't want it and, and got it. Like, and then I think of something that I just didn't know, I didn't think about, would be Han running away. Okay. Would be Han in Force Awakens. It's not the great love story. The new movie doesn't begin and Leia's on a throne and Han's next to her and everything's great. Yeah. Han's gone. He's he's gone back to his roots. He's run away. And I wouldn't have planned that. I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought maybe Luke, the idea of Luke running away yeah. or vanishing or whatever. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, I want that. But if you'd be like, oh, Han and Leia are separated. Yeah. No. Would you want? No. I love you. I know. Like, what? No, yeah. no, 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 no. And then I got it. And I just love what it, how it finishes Han's character. Yeah. That's a great answer. Alden. Eric, thank you for your support. Thanks for your questions. Christian, Brendan, thank you for your questions. Reaching out. If you have questions for us, we want to have your name heard and your question read here on Force Center. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Website is forcecenterpod.podomatic.net. We do have an Instagram page. Merch is available on tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. We retweeted some. I saw Joseph, you had retweeted some this weekend. I was l- last night looking at our fans and they're wearing their merch. It's a great, great stuff they're sharing with us. Absolutely. Podcasts available on Podomatic, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Tune in. And as we talked about, Patreon. Joseph, that's where you can support us and help us build towards some goals. That's right. We are still building towards that goal of unlocking commentary for all of the movies. We would love to be able to talk about Solo and, man, Phantom. We already did Phantom Menace, but so Attack of the Clones is next. Maybe the Ewok movies. We'll see. Maybe that. (gasps) We might have to do a a little bit more fundraising for that. Holiday special commentary. (laughs) So many opportunities. So if you have a buck or two a month that you feel like you can contribute to helping us uh, keep going and making other things possible, you can check out all the info on it at patreon.com slash force center. Absolutely. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Like you said, we're having a lot of fun over there. Uh, Great interactions, great comments there. Uh, We appreciate the love over there. So we are almost out of here, but before we do, we like to tell you where you can find us, Jennifer. You can find me on all the social media sites at Jennifer Landa. Be sure to check out my latest happy beeps where I break down Alden Ehrenreich's performance as Han Solo uh, and basically share why it's so darn good. It's so good. It's so, so good. darn good. It's so yes. good. So good. Uh, Joseph. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw, where I'll probably be tweeting more about Alden Ehrenreich and his performances on Solo. <laughs> Why not? Uh, and then all my other comedy adventures and podcasts and info on that is on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can follow me at Catnapsack. That's across all social media platforms and YouTube and sometimes Twitch when my uh, PS4 lets me. It's been an adventure <laughs> lately. So uh, that is it. So for you guys out there, for Joseph, Jennifer, myself, and Bob Iger, we thank you. We'll see you next time here on Force powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.